Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Benevolent Heavenly Father. Have you ever noticed this? I don't know. Maybe some of you have not been as privileged as I have to travel in some of the nations of the world, especially some of the ones where they serve other gods. But have you ever noticed, uh, you probably have seen it maybe in, uh, in uh, history books and, and literature of different things, some of you that have uh, you know, go, uh, gone to school, gone to college, different places like that. You ever notice that people that serve other gods, when they carve their gods or they sculpt their gods or they paint their gods, how ugly they are? You ever notice that? They're ugly. They're horrid. There's, you know, look at Buddha. Now, now, you know, you say, you're just making fun. No, I'm not making fun. I'm, I'm wanting you to see something. Hey, he's ugly. Did you know that's ugly? Amen. I'm not talking about being fat or being, I'm just talking about the way that person looks, at individual looks as a God. You know, they, you see these big statues. We see them over in the Orient and different places like that where they, you know, this big old pot belly guy sitting there. And people put them in their home, build statues. I mean, excuse me, build altars and all this kind of stuff. Listen, God, our God is a beautiful God, a wonderful God, a marvelous God. But listen, he manifests himself for us, especially in our covenant, as a loving heavenly father. Now, I have some friends that are in prison ministry. They, they, they go to prisons. They began in the year 1978 to preach and teach and minister to the, the uh, prisoners, those that are incarcerated in the state of Texas through the TDC, Texas Department of Corrections. Now, I talked to them. This has been several years ago, but between 1978 and the year 2000, in Texas, Texas built approximately 120 prisons from 1978 to the year 2000. Now, they were filled up as soon as they could, as soon as they could get one open, they'd fill up. They'd get another one open, they'd fill up. They'd get another one open. And they said, without exception, as they would go in, the different psychologists and psychiatrists and do studies of both the men and the women across the board, uh, all, all races, all creeds, all religions, all, you name it, across the board, without exception, one of the greatest uh, uh, revelations they got out of their studies was that the majority of the people that were incarcerated either had a very, very negative experience with their earthly father or had no father at all. That that, that, that factor right there was predominant above every other factor. Uh, drugs was up there pretty high and poverty was up there pretty high, but nothing was higher than either the absence of a father or the abuse of a father amongst those that were uh, lived the type of lifestyle that caused them to have to, uh, uh, to be locked away because of the laws of our nation. So we see that in our society, in the human family, there's a great need for every person to have a father. But not everybody has one. And I'm here to tell you, I've got good news for you tonight. You say, well, Pastor, I'm kind of in that condition. I, I never knew my father. I never had a father. Or the father that I had was abusive, did not treat me right. But I've got good news. If you're born again, if Jesus, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior tonight, you've been given a heavenly father that can cure you and heal you of anything that's happened because either a lack of or the abuse of an earthly father. you just got to let him do it. You've got to let him be your heavenly father. 
And when you begin to understand what a, quote, father's role is, you know, a, a father is the one that's involved in reproduction. A father's the one that, uh, that nurtures. The father the, is the one that provides. The father that's, is the one that, uh, that gives security. All of these different things we could talk about that a good father would do. God, our Heavenly Father, does that and more. But you've got to allow Him to do it. And listen, you can never, ever, oh, this is such an important point. Eh, thank you, Lord, I'll do that too. This is such an important point. Never ever judge your heavenly father based on your earthly father. That brings me to this point, what the Lord just reminded me to say. Always remember, you cannot serve God based on what you see in the people that serve him. You cannot judge God based on what you see in the people that serve him. And you cannot judge God based on the testimony of those that do or do not receive from him. You can only judge God based on his word and his activity in your life. God is a good God. God is a loving God. God is a merciful God. God is a benevolent God. God is a kind God. He's not mad. Isn't it amazing how the world system and even some, to some extent Christianity itself paints this picture of a God that's kind of waiting for you to kind of mess up to the point that you mess up beyond His ability to recover you so that He can somehow, some, somehow punish or judge you. There's a lot of people out there right now that think, well, you know, I, I, I might. I might seek God. I might, but, you know, he's been after me my whole life. And every negative thing that's ever happened in their life, they blame on God. And then the society backs them up. You know, even the insurance companies write, quote, acts of God into their insurance policies. Well, those aren't acts of God. The Bible says it's the thief that cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance. Listen, I do not believe that we've plumbed the depths of the goodness of our loving Heavenly Father. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants to nurture you. He wants to remove all of the inhibition and loneliness out of your life that may be there because of the absence of an earthly father. He wants to be your heavenly father. He wants to do everything he can do for you to bring you into a place where you trust him with your life. He loves you. He cares about you. Now, we know we're in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 1 talks about God, the word Elohim which is God in His total manifestation, which we would call uh, God uh, the Father, God the Son or God the Word, and God the Holy Ghost. Everybody say Holy Ghost. Now what's unique about God is that God has the ability, although being one God, He has the ability to express Himself in three distinct entities. It's amazing. Now, I know that people struggle with that, but you know we're made in the likeness and image of God. And did you know there's a three-part makeup to you? There's your flesh, the outward man. There's your soul, which is comprised of your mind, your emotions, and your will. And then there's your spirit man, the real you, that which is on the inside. How many have ever noticed that there's a difference between the three? Even the world recognizes the spirit man, but it calls it calls him conscience. Well, my conscience just wouldn't let me do it. Amen. You ever notice that your conscience or, your, or, or, or <clears throat> excuse me, your spirit, that it can even speak louder than your mind, where your mind's saying, do that, do that, but your conscience saying, no, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. See, that show, we're, so we're unique in the fact 
that we are also triune in our makeup, spirit, soul, and body. Well, God is also triune. He is the Father. He is the Son. He is the Holy Ghost, all of them being God. But there is an element of submission in himself in which the Son submits to the Father, amen, and the Holy Ghost submits unto the Son or unto the Word. Now, this is really neat. This is really neat. The Word of God and faith gives us access to all three. Oh, I'm glad you're so excited. I remember we used to attend the uh, Abundant Life Christian Center over at Lamarck, and, and, and after they built the, the, the building they're currently in right now, there was a little Pentecostal church next door, and they were uh, uh, what you call um, oneness. Oneness. You know, they believe that, you know, there's only one God. And, you know, that, that at one time he was God, and then he became Jesus, and now he's the Holy Ghost. And I remember uh, they kind of used to mock us. Some of you that used to go over there, remember, they used to kind of mock us on that sign. And I remember driving into a service there one day and pulled in, and on that sign it says, we don't need three gods to defeat one devil. <laughs> I thought to myself, they need to read the Bible. Amen. No, we have the privilege of understanding that there's one God, everybody say one God, manifesting himself in three different and unique entities and that faith and the word of God gives us access to all of the attributes of all three. You can have the loving kindness of a gracious heavenly father. You can enjoy all the benefits of what Jesus, the word of God has produced and the Holy Ghost can come and abide through salvation and empower through the baptism in the Holy Ghost. I mean, you can be God on the inside, the outside, and all around. Amen. So we see in creation, God the Father, God the Word in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was void and without form. And what? The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the earth. And God said, let there be light. So we see God, the Heavenly Father, with His design and His plan. Amen. Then we see the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, moving upon the face of the earth. Then we see God the Word when God said, if you notice in your Bibles, especially in your King James where it says, let there be light, that L is capitalized. You say, why? Because that is the Word of God in manifestation when God said, let the Holy Ghost took the Word and let and light was. It's that simple. That's how the Creator works. But now we know He created man for this reason God created man because of his father's heart God desired a family let me say that again God desired a family so he created man the Bible says in his likeness and his image and it's very interesting if you get over into Genesis 1 verse 26 it said let us well, now, now, where's your oneness doctrine now? It says, let us make man in what? Are. So there's a plurality right there to creation where God the Father, He comes up with it. God the Spirit, God the Word speaks it and the Spirit manifests it. And so we're made in the likeness and image of God. Notice that we're made spirit first before He ever gives us a body. Amen. So God makes us spirit beings in His likeness and His image so that He might have a family. Not only that, not only that, He forms for us out of the dust of the earth a body. Now listen, 
Your human body is your license to be here. Let me say that again. The only legal right you have to be on planet earth is that physical body you're living in right now. Uh, people talk about ghosts. Everybody say ghosts. I noticed the other day I was in a restaurant and I was looking. I like to look at all those little different, uh, you know, they've got this. Uh, you can go see this historical piece of property. You can go on this dolphin tour. And I saw one, the Galveston Ghost Tour. Let me help you. Can I help you? There's not but one ghost on Galveston Island. He's the Holy Ghost. And we won't charge you a dime. You can come on in, get saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and you won't have to go on a tour. He'll give you a life. Amen? There's no spirits present anywhere on the planet, amen, that have a right to be here legally outside of the human body. We're the one that gives God the right to be here. Sinners are the ones that give evil spirits and the devil the right to be here. But human spirits are not here. They're either here in human form with a physical body or they're in hell or in heaven. Remember, we studied heaven this weekend. How many like that on heaven? You know, let me just say this about heaven. A lot of people have visions of heaven, but, but, but others have died and gone to heaven. And there's a difference between the two. I've always noticed those that have died and gone to heaven and actually experienced something because the doctors looked at them and said, they're dead. They're dead. Their spirit man has left their body. They have gone to heaven. Uh, as compared to those that just had a vision of heaven, I've noticed it's different. Amen. You say, why? Well, I guess people that have actually been there have actually had an experience. We know some people that's actually been there. And it's funny how they talk about their experience being different from those that have just had a vision. Why do we get off on all this? It's good anyway, amen? Just helps clear up some things. We're talking about our loving Heavenly Father. So, that's what He did. He created, gave Adam and the woman a beautiful garden to live in. And the Bible said He came down and fellowshiped with them. Then we know the enemy of God. Everybody say the enemy of God. Now God, God had trouble with this guy for a while. In heaven the trouble began. When we study the authority of the believer, we'll study the devil, his origins, his nature, all of these different things. He was an angel. The Bible says he was anointed cherubim. Let me just say this for the uh, sake of some of you that may have had some uh, bad teaching. He's not the brother of Jesus. Come on, that's been taught. He's not the brother of Jesus, nor is he an archangel. One of the highest forms. There's only two that we know of, Michael and Gabriel. But he is in the angelic class, that of a cherub. The Bible says he was anointed cherubim, which means he was actually a one that was in charge of all the praise, all of the worship, that actually a lot of this musical stuff was built into him. Well, anyway, he sinned, he messed up, and God kicked him out of heaven. So fast, Jesus gives us a little inkling into that. So fast, it looked like lightning hitting the ground. Which means all these books that are written about, written about all this warfare that happened over the eons of times, good and bad, struggling back and forth, the devil and God, devil, that did not happen. When there was insurrection in heaven and the devil caused that insurrection, he threw, God threw, through the word, Satan down to the earth so fast it looked like lightning hitting the ground. Now, here is what the enemy does. On earth, he sees God's what? Creation or children. He wants to get to God. So where does he go? How many of you would suffer a hundred days before you'd let your child suffer one? Amen? I mean, if you're a good parent, you'd do it. He knew 
that if I can get to the kids, I can hurt God. Did you know that's what he tries to do today? You know, that's why the devil hates you so much and comes after you sometimes so much is because you are God's child. He is a heavenly father. But see, God's given you everything you need to resist him, everything you need to overcome him, everything you need to rise up against him. So if you'll just make a decision to walk in faith and walk in your authority, he won't be able to harm you. God will get pleasure out of that, and God will be happy because he'll look down and see one of his kids keeping his foot on the devil's neck where it belongs. Amen? So here's this entity loosed on the earth, God puts man in the garden with a choice and that wicked devil gets into that garden illegally. Are you with me? He's not there legally. Let me just say this. He's not there legally in the garden nor is he in the snake legally. Remember, he's a criminal spirit. He illegally comes up into the earth and illegally gets into the snake. If you want to read about that or study that, study John chapter 10. Jesus said, I came correctly. I came legally. I came through the door. What is the door into humanity? The womb of the woman. The mother is the door. Everybody else, Jesus said it like that. Everybody else who's come any other way is a thief and a robber. Who's he talking about? Satan. So he's there illegally. He's in an illegal form. And who's he going after? God's kids. God's kids. God's kids. Deceives them and they fall. Now notice this real quick. And then we'll go to John. How's my time? Man, where's my time going Wednesday nights? It says in verse 7, the eyes of them both were opened and they knew they were naked. So their, their spiritual eyes closed, their physical eyes opened. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now notice verse 8. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And now this is just so amazing. This is one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Where are you, Adam? Now, now hold on. This, this always causes a dilemma in people. This always causes questions to raise up. But if you will just study the word, it will help you. Number one, didn't God know they'd do that? Didn't God know they'd fall? Didn't God, before he came down to the earth, know that they had already sinned? Everybody look this way. No, he did not know. Now you say, now wait a second, I thought God knows everything. Within God, see this, this goes against the religious mindset, but if you'll study the word of God, you'll see it's true. Within God is the capacity to know everything. Every bit of information that has ever been released on the earth, God has the capacity to retain and hold that. Are you with me? But when God created the earth, he gave it to man. He said, you are, literally, literally, if you'll study the word, he said, I am the God, big G of all things. You are the God, the little G of the earth, of the planet. It's your system. It's your cosmos. It belongs to you, Adam. So I'm not going to check up on you. I'm not a micromanager. I'm not the kind of person that's going to stay around, the, you know, peek from behind the tree to see what you're doing. I'm going to have my routine. You're going to have your routine. I'm going to come down in the cool of the day, and I'm going to fellowship with my family, the father and his family, the father and his family, the father and his children. You say, well, nah, Pastor, I, come on. I, I just, I believe God knows everything. Then, then, then you're denying the word when it comes to your sin and unrighteousness. Because of the blood of Jesus, God also retains the ability to forget every sin you've ever committed, to forget your human birth, which made you an iniquitous individual, 
And from the day you got born again, he began to recognize you as his son or daughter. And all of your past, the Bible says, he has removed it from you as far as the east is from the west, throwing it into the sea of forgetfulness, never to remember it against you again. So God chooses the information that he wants to retain. Are you with me? So he didn't know your sins. He didn't know your trespasses. Now, here's another element. If he comes down, now notice the question mark. Where art thou? Where art thou? Question mark. Where art thou? Where art thou? If he would have known where they were, there would be an element of deceit to God. There'd be an element of deceit right there. Because if I see you back there behind the, uh, behind the, 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 uh, the, uh, the granite there in the uh, visitor center, and I see you back there and I'm going, where are you? Where are you? I know where you are. You see what I'm saying? There's an element of deceit there. But he didn't know where they were. He didn't know. Now, can you imagine? I saw it the other day. There was somebody, a family lost their mother, I think it was, uh, on Christmas Eve night. And uh, the EquiSearch people, you know, those great people that go up there and look at all, look for people. And, and we've seen it before when they lost, lose their little children. The mothers and the fathers on television. It just rips my heart out when I see that. They're talking about, we can't, we just want our baby back. We just want our child back. We just want them back. We just want them back. They're so in anguish. Could you imagine how God must have felt? Every time he came down from earth, there was his, there was his creation, his children. There they were. He fellowshiped in the cool of the... Now they're not there. Where are they? Where are they? And so he's looking. And he's searching. And he's looking. And, he's, and he can't find them. Why? Because they're hiding themselves. See, man has hid himself from God ever since this event. He hides himself in religion. He hides himself amongst other gods. He hides himself amongst his own success, philosophy, education. You name it. There are all kinds of places where man hides himself, but God's still looking. Where are you? He's still looking for children. He's still looking for his children. Amen? Now notice this. This backs it up. The Lord God called unto him and said unto him, Where art thou? He said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told thee thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree where if I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? That's a question. Did he not know they ate of that tree? No, he had to ask them. Have you eaten of that tree? Who told you where you're not? Where did fear come from? I did not create you with fear. I did not create you to run from me. I created you to run to me, which brings us to a point. Whenever you get away from God, if you ever fail, If you ever sin, don't run and hide yourself. Run to your God, not from your God. Those that are quick to repent will be quick to be restored. It's when you continually hide yourself from God. Don't do that. Run to God. Let Him heal you and let Him be the heavenly Father that He desires to be to you. Amen. So here's Adam and the woman. Now they're estranged from God. Now they've left God's family and entered into the human family. Are you with me? You say, I thought they were created to be the human. No, they were not. They were created to be God's family. Then the devil got in them and they became the human family. And I want you to know the human family is an absolute wreck and has been since this point in history. God had to destroy it in Noah's day. God had to destroy two cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
Look at what we see in the earth today. Man's inhumanity to man. Wars and rumors to... Do we really treat ourselves like brothers and sisters in the human family? Look at the crime. Look at the violence. No, that all came in through the fall. It all came in through the fall. And what happened in the fall, the worst thing that happened in the fall is that the human family lost its father, its heavenly father. Now, these things, I, I was meditating on this. What did God lose? We know what we lost. What did God lose? Because see, this, this God lost in this. Number one, God lost fellowship with his creation. If you only knew how much God desires to fellowship with you, Every day when you bow your knee to pray, every day when you open your Bible, God, God stops everything He's doing. See, people, they don't have a concept. They think God's, not, God's too busy for me. God's dealing with governments. He's dealing with universes. He's dealing with this. He's dealing with that. He's too busy for me. You're wrong. The Bible says He's numbered every hair on your head, and if He's concerned about one hair that would fall off your head, what makes you think He's not concerned about every aspect and element of your life? And when you come to God during your day and you take your time and you set it aside and you bow your knee and you begin to worship your heavenly Father and you begin to fellowship with Him, what you are returning to Him is what He lost in creation through redemption. He's got it back. So you are practicing that which God has given you back through redemption, fellowshipping with your heavenly Father. And God loves it more than you do. You say, why? Because every time you do it, He's there. Are you there every time he wants to fellowship? Are you there every time he wants to speak? Are you there every time he wants to be your heavenly father? Okay. He lost fellowship. What else did he lose? The expansion of his family. He told his creation, Adam and the woman, go. Subdue the earth. Replenish the earth. What did he mean? Make my family big. Grow me a family. I just don't want two. I want lots of them. I want lots of children. I want lots. See, that's the Father heart of God. The Father heart of God is big enough to contain us all. Oh, God, I don't have time for that. You really want me to tell you that? You think, will you believe it if I tell it to you? Or is it too far for you to believe? See, we think, well, you know, here I am. I got saved 10 years ago, and I, I must be the, you know, 899th million, 366,000th, 451st person. So that's how far down the line I am. You know, I'm kind of like a stepchild. I'm so far down. Did you know, through redemption, God puts you in Christ. And when God looks at you, you are favored as the firstborn. That means all of us. That means every one of us. God sees us as what? Firstborn. Every right. Every privilege. All that's afforded the what? Firstborn. When it comes to inheritance, when it comes to blessing, when it comes to whatever belongs to the firstborn, He gave it to His Son, Jesus, then He put us in Christ. Oh, I, I better stop there because I, I get on a whole other subject and I'm, I'm kind of laboring to get you all to believe this one. Amen? The expansion of His family. He lost that. He lost a group of people whom he may show kindness, grace, mercy, benevolence, and favor to. He couldn't do that to the human family. Every time he had to deal with the human family, all he could bring was judgment. 
You say, why? Because there was nobody to stand between. There was no intercessor. There was no umpire. There was no daysman. There was nobody, as Job said, to put his hand upon a loving, benevolent, heavenly father and place his hand upon me. Thank God Jesus came and made up the gap, and he is the one that has brought us into the father's family. That's why God is now just not God in your life. God is your heavenly father. Amen. He lost that ability to have people to show kindness. He lost his ability to parent. You say, why? Didn't have anybody to parent. Did you know even Israel was just his nation? It was his servants. They were the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The servants of Almighty God. But it wasn't until his son Jesus rose from the dead and people actually begin to get born again. That's why that term is so important. That's why CNN didn't coin that phrase. Some denomination didn't coin Jesus is the one that said, you must be what? Born again. You've got to realize there's been a way for you to come out of the human family and come back into God's family, the way God always intended it. Into God's family. Now, now, now you're going to have some problems why? Because the real you, the important you, the reality you, which is the human spirit, I'm going to cause to be born again. It's going to come out of the human family and come into God's family totally. And I will seal it until the day of redemption. But you're going to have problems because your body is going to remain subject to the human family and your mind is going to remain subject to the human family. So I'm going to give you tools and I'm going to give you power and I'm going to give you weapons to overcome your flesh, to renew your mind so that you can cause your mind and flesh to line up with who you now really are. No longer a citizen of earth, but a citizen of God's family. And because I desire to parent you correctly, I'm going to give you these tools so that I can do that. So that I can grow your character, so that I can help you in your mind, so that I can heal your body, so I can provide finances for you. If you'll just follow my word, walk in my spirit then you will be able to overcome that which is of the flesh and the mind and live by the dictates of your loving Heavenly Father. Amen? I got three minutes left. Real quick, go to John. Is this helping anybody? It's just an introduction. Barely getting through the introduction. John 17. Now, let me just say this about John 17. Now, I know there are people they want to scream about this, but just go ahead and scream. John 17 is the Lord's Prayer. Let me say that again. John 17 is the Lord's Prayer. Now let me say, our Father that art in heaven, hallowed be not. That is the disciples' prayer. That's how he taught who to pray. The disciples before salvation. But if you'll notice, he continually talked about after or the day would come when you wouldn't ask him, you would ask the Father in His name. So He taught His disciples how to pray in His name to the Father. Now, you know, one of the main things that the Sadducees and Pharisees, they really didn't like about Jesus. I mean, they saw the same miracles. They saw blind people with blind eyes going, I can see, I can see. They saw cripples running around going, I was like this from my birth. They saw the dead raised. They saw the woman at Nain. And Lazarus, boy, that really shook him up. But man, this guy dares 
to call God his father. They call that blasphemy. How dare you? Nobody calls God their father. You know, to the Jewish people, their word for God, of course, Elohim, the triune God, then what they called their national gods, which actually, which actually took God and separated him according to different things he did. Jehovah Jireh. Where do we see that? With Abraham, provider. Jehovah Rapha, healer. Uh, Jehovah Shalom, peace. Uh, Jehovah Sidkenu, righteousness. There's, there's, I think there's what, seven? How many? Eleven? Something like that. Twelve. I, I, it's been a long time since I studied all that. I had that in Bible school and took my test and made a hundred. Amen? So I need to go re- review my notes. But all of those different manifestations were, were what they were classified. God is our Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. But they still did not know him as father. And now here this guy, Jesus, he'd do some great miracle. He'd preach some outstanding revelation and they'd all ooh and ah. Then he'd reach down and touch somebody or somebody reach up and touch him. And they'd get healed or a miracle. And then he'd step back and say, wait, 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 wait. Before you get all excited about me, the words that I was speaking wasn't mine. My father's. The deeds that I did the miracles wasn't mine. My father's. Woo, they didn't like that. Did you know that caused them to look away from the miracles and the words that he spoke and get incensed about him? Now, in this scripture, in John 17, I advise, go read and study that whole prayer because, I mean, it's just outstanding. But, but let's just read there in Let's begin in verse 23, because my time's up, so I'm just going to read this. We'll close. It says, I and them, everybody say, I and them, thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. Now, he's praying to the Father. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me, now notice this, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Okay, I'll stop there. Now, let me just stop with this. We're going to leave this here. We'll come back to it next week, because this may go on for a while as we teach on this. If God did, and I'm going to leave it to you as an if for you. For me, it's a I know. But if God did what his word said he did to restore favor to us so that we might be taken out of the human family and placed in God's family, that's why we call salvation the greatest miracle. From darkness into light, from death into life, from separation from God to united to Him. woo But then Jesus did what? Suffered. Oh, He suffered. Unimaginable. So that God could grant us union back to Him so that He could restore His family. Listen, it's bigger than just your sins being forgiven. He wanted to put His family, His family was, He's got to put my family back together. Now, if he did all of that to create this great miracle of salvation, and what Jesus did was broken and bruised and bleeding and took upon him the sin and unrighteousness and wretchedness of all the human family and suffered for hours upon the cross and died and went into hell. Remember, we studied that this week. Went into the abyss, paradise and abyss. Went into the abyss, went into Haiti and suffered 
It was an eternity for him because he was not in a place of time. He was in a place of timelessness. What makes you think he would deny the healing of your body? What makes you think in any way he would deny your prosperity? What makes you think in any sense of the term he would deny your total deliverance, your total healing, whatever it is? Why in the world would you even have the thought in your mind that God would withhold anything from me? Look what he has released for you. Peter said it like this. He's given us everything that pertains unto life. Well, what pertains unto life? Healing, safety, prosperity, blessing. He's given us everything that pertains unto what? Life and godliness. That through the precious promises of God, we might be partakers of the divine nature. What's the divine nature? The nature of our loving, kind, merciful, graceful, benevolent, heavenly Father. That we can partake of His nature. Why? Because He paid the price for us to have it. He will not withhold it from you. He will not hold back on you. He will not, not open His hand to you. He stands with both hands wide open saying to humanity, I love you. I'm not religious. I'm not traditional. I am God, your loving heavenly Father, if you'll let me be. And the way he goes from being God to your loving heavenly Father is you accept his sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus comes into your heart, you get the whole redemptive package. God becomes your father. Jesus becomes your elder brother. The Holy Ghost becomes the one that abides. And if you so desire, he becomes the one that empowers. You can have the whole, how do we say it here in Texas? You can have the whole enchilada. With cheese and avocado and everything else you want. I'm getting hungry now. See, the human family with, his, with its demonic and has fought against it and fought against it. And what's, what's, what's Satan's greatest tool? Religion. That looks at a loving, benevolent, heavenly father and says things like, God won't heal you. He took that child from you to teach you a lesson. He put that cancer on your body for a reason. He allowed that storm to destroy your property. He did. What, what a wicked, wicked lie. When God loves us so much. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm trusting God that any person that comes to these meetings and has problems with an earthly father that you're going to be healed of everything that has happened with your earthly father either through Him or the lack of Him and you're going to get joined to your heavenly father like never before and you're going to learn to love Him and you're going to learn to see him for who he really is. Amen. You love the Lord. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember... But keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.